Welcome to Between the Gutters, where we talk about the stories within the panels. I'm your co-host, Albert, and with us is our other co-host. This is Drew. What's up, everybody? Hey, everyone. So this week, with the release of the new Loki series on Disney+, Plus, uh, we decided that we're going to do a semi-deep dive into the character of Loki. So just a basic outline of who he is. He's, he's based on the... Uh, Viking mythological character Loki, who is the god of mischief and deceit and lies. As I've, I, I don't know too much about North Norse mythology, uh, from which he's based off of, but it always, at least based on what I know of him from comics, he's always juxtaposed as an antagonist to Thor, Thor Odinson, uh, and yeah, that's that's pretty much his outline uh is there anything you feel like you want to add to 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 his background drew uh i I guess for the purposes of marvel comics he's thor's adopted brother he's not technically in his guardian he's uh he's a frost giant yeah the son of the king of the frost giants yeah so basically, Even though Odin, for some reason he doesn't look like a frost giant. Yeah. My understanding is basically Odin beat the frost giants in battle. And, you know, as a Viking, he took a prize. And in this case, his prize was a little boy that he could raise as his own. <laughs> yeah, you know, just like you would do anytime you beat someone up. You got to exactly. take his son. <laughs> exactly. When we used, if we were still playing pogs today as adults... I'd take your children, because them's the stakes. Exactly. <laughs> and that's why I don't have kids. You can't Yet. lose what you ain't got. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's a pretty basic outline of Loki the character. Um, for the most part, for for most of his existence in the comics, he's been pretty much a villain uh yeah i'd say he's he's been portrayed different ways early on um i'd say initially he was kind of more more of a scheming trickster kind of villain like uh like starscream or something you know (laughs) like not not necessarily the big bad but the guy who who schemes and and plots and like you know whenever uh he fails he he's the guy who goes curse you guys i'll get you next time you know not a doctor doom type not necessarily but there have also been portrayals of him where he's been definitely more menacing um and in recent years uh and i think this is due in large part to his portrayal by Tom Hiddleston in the movies, just because, you know, feel free to disagree with me if you want, or if, if you feel true, but uh, Hiddleston's just a really charismatic, charming dude, and I think the movies realized, or, you know, Disney realized that his character had, I don't know if it was a following, but people liked him. You know? Yeah, I th- I think it's fair to say he's a fan favorite. Yeah, so it it sort of makes sense that 
in more recent years, he's been portrayed more as a, I don't know if he's necessarily an anti-hero, but, you know. They've given him heroic moments. Yeah. And, and they've definitely upped his profile in the comics, too. Like, yeah, these he's got past, his own comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and these, in, in these past, I don't know, eight or ten years, we've had way more Loki comics than probably Ever. any other period in history. Yeah, yeah. He's he's headlined his own comics, like you said. He's had his own miniseries, his own ongoing series, and yeah, he's just all over the place. And that's one of those things where the popularity of the movie character obviously drives the popularity of the comics character. Yeah. So you can't and, you can't really say that. Uh, I don't even know if I would ever say he was a really popular character in the comics. Like he was always one of those bigger name villains just because he was Thor's main yeah. enemy. And he was Thor's Joker. Yeah. And that, that gave him weight. A certain yeah, it gave him a certain weight. It gave him a relatively high profile, but yeah. he was never on the level of Doctor Doom or uh I don't know. Well, to me, he wasn't even on the level of someone like Apocalypse or Kang the Conqueror. Really? Because I always felt like if they did like the Avengers version of the Injustice gang, he'd definitely be on it. Only by the very virtue of the fact that he's probably the most recognizable Thor villain. Yeah, Maybe yeah. Not, not the most powerful. No, I, I agree with that, but I, I'm just saying, I don't, I never thought of him as a guy that was on the same tier of of uh, villainy as an Apocalypse or a Kang the Conqueror, let alone on the yeah. same tier as Doctor Doom. Yeah, yeah. Or the Red Skull, you know? Yeah. I was going to say... Well, I, back to the point that I brought up earlier. Do you consider him an anti-hero now? Like, by whatever traditional terms you would define an anti-hero? I uh, wouldn't consider him an anti-hero. I would probably just consider him a uh, one of those morally ambiguous protagonists, just okay. because the stories, at least the comics I've read, where he's the the protagonist, where he's the headliner, they tend to portray him. I guess he is kind of an anti-hero. I wouldn't I wouldn't like argue with that classification, but. I just personally see him as somebody who's still self-serving and out for himself. Yeah. And occasionally that kind of leads him into doing good things for other people. Yeah. But it's, by, it's more of like a by byproduct. Happenstance. Of, <laughs> yeah, it's more of a, a byproduct of him getting what he wants, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's not really out of the pure goodness of his heart or a sense of heroism. yeah. Uh, I, we'll we'll talk about it more uh later in the podcast. But I I will mention one of the series that we we read to bone up on Loki, which was uh Agents of Asgard by Al Ewing. And I was thinking about it as I was reading it, and one of the things that struck me, at least in their portrayal in that story, was he kind of reminded me of like a John Constantine almost. Not not as cool, but 
you know, it just felt like he was a trickster mm-hmm. who was constantly in over his head trying to use his trickery to yeah do right yeah you it, know? it definitely did feel like a toned down hellblazer yeah yeah like yeah. if if you neutered john constantine and didn't allow him to swear yeah. or you know have anything to do with demons if you made him a superhero <laughs> yeah that's what be you like get. loki <laughs> yeah exactly like, on some level, I kind of wish they had just leaned into it and made him more like John Constantine, because I, I think that could have been a fun uh, direction uh, for him to, for his stories to go. or for, yeah, for... it probably would have been at odds with how they want people to feel about Loki now that he's more, you know, more of a fan favorite because of the movies, though. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure they want to keep him a little bit more sanitized than... What we yeah. envisioned. Fair, fair. I get you. Got yeah. You. Were you ever a big Loki fan as a kid or even as an adult? Uh, I think so. We mentioned how, as kids, we we could just because of the cards. Uh, I well, I don't know about you, but I you know you could usually name who everyone's arch nemesis was, right? Like, who who their main bad guy was. Uh, so, in my mind, Loki was always up there for me with uh, with the likes of Doctor Doom or Magneto. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, yeah, you know, just all the big names. like uh, Thanos, Kang, yeah. Ultron. Yeah. I, I might even go as far as to say that at the time, uh, like, when we were kids, I don't think Thanos was nearly as popular at least not until the infinity gauntlet gauntlet exactly right but up until that point loki might have even been a bigger name or a more recognizable name for me than thanos so here's my reason why i didn't have as much respect for loki when i was a kid the reason why is because when we were kids especially when i started reading comics in the early early 90s uh-huh. Thor was horrible, man. Yeah. Tom DeFalco was writing Thor, and it was just... It was so bad. I remember as a kid, I didn't like it. And <laughs> for years, I was just not into Thor at all. And I had... This was the era of uh, the Thunderstrike the Thor. You know? Uh, Eric Masterson. Yeah. He, he was the human identity of Thor, and... And he he would you know hit his walking cane or whatever it was and turn into this '90s version of Thor who had this helmet. He had a, a ponytail. He had a ponytail. He had this helmet that kind of covered his eyes. Yeah. He was just an all-around lamer incarnation of Thor, and because of that, I just <laughs> didn't have love for Thor. And no, I, without the I love for Thor, I didn't have the love for Loki. Yeah. No, I remember that era too because. He was originally, well, he was originally still Thor. So that, you know, he he basically looked like Thor, except for the fact that he had that mask with that eyepiece, and he had a beard. Yeah. And then uh, later on, when he 
I, I don't even know how it happened, but when he retained his powers, even though Thor was around, he became Thunderstrike. So he got rid of the mask, he grew out a ponytail, and he got a vest. And, you know, he was all about attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it was super lame. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I will say that as a kid, well, one, I didn't know any better, but and two... I, I still did read those Thors as a kid. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I did and, not know that. Uh. Yeah. It it was. I don't think I had a lot of Thor comics, but it was something that I read. And my reasoning for enjoying those as a kid was he's got a hammer. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> he hits Dude, things my, with a hammer. <laughs> my favorite uh, Thor moment from when I was a kid was that one issue of the Infinity Gauntlet when all the heroes take the battle to outer space and fight Thanos on his platform. And when Thanos is beating everybody up one by one, Thor, the Eric Masterson Thor, he had, he has this enchantment on his hammer, the same as the uh, original Thor, where if he's separated from Mjolnir for 60 seconds or more, he reverts back to his human Human form. Yeah. And they were fighting in space. He throws his hammer (laughs) at Thanos and it doesn't come back to him, and he's just crawling and panicking, and eventually he turns back into a human, and he starts choking in the vacuum of space. Yeah. (laughs) But then the funny thing is, somehow the hammer, well, the hammer always goes back to its master, so, you know, even though, realistically, Eric Masterson should have died in the vacuum of space, the hammer gets back to him, and he becomes Thor again, and you know, he gets back in it, and he's going to throw down with uh, Thanos. And Thanos turns him to glass, and he shatters him. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my favorite Thor moment when I was a kid. <laughs> I was like, I always knew this guy was lame. And the, the fact that Thanos beat him so easily, that's just funny to me. <laughs> he beat him twice. <laughs> yeah. Man, that was yeah, that was just a really bad era of Thor. Don't read any '90s Thor comics, everybody. <laughs> Although I will say there are elements from that Thor run that I would want to see again, but definitely if I would want them to be done better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and not by Tom DeFalco. Oh yeah, definitely not by Tom DeFalco. Speaking of uh favorite moments do you have any favorite loki moments drew uh probably have to say my favorite moment is the most famous moment that everybody talks about you know the issue i'm talking about in uh the simons and thor in issue i think it's issue 353 it's that moment when when they're fighting Surtur, and we, we talked about this when we were doing our uh, top 25 Marvel countdown, and, and we talked about the Simonson Thor. Yeah. But, you know, that moment when when Odin, uh, Odin, Thor, and Loki are all getting ready to fight to the death and make their last stand to, to battle Surtur. Yep. And Odin gives this speech, and at the end of his speech... You know, he gives a battle cry, and he's like, for Asgard! And then Thor says, 
for Midgard. And then Loki says, for myself. <laughs> and it's, it's just one of those moments that it's, it's obviously comical, but in a lot of ways, with just those two words, Walt Simonson really tapped into everything that makes Loki work as an antagonist and a viable lead character in his own right. Like that's, that's the whole basis of what makes him cool, right? It's the idea that there's this guy that is so into himself and so self-serving. Yeah. You know, every, everybody treats him as some kind of antagonist, right? Like he's, he's the God of lies or, mischief or evil whatever whatever the case may be when he wakes up that day and what he's in the mood for it's always something negative and and he is just kind of trying to fight for his own identity and over the years we have seen that play out like this is a character that has a very uh malleable identity in the comics he's someone not only who has an identity that's changeable in terms of like i guess his his uh moral stance or or his wherever his his moral alignment but he's also malleable on a literal level where we see him change from his usual self and he's become a woman he's become a little kid <laughs> Yeah. He's become uh, a young man a young in his man. prime. Yeah, we've seen him as an older version of himself. It's you know he's like constantly like he already has the power of shape shifting and illusions and misdirection and all that. But these are there are times, especially in these past uh, you know fifteen sixteen years of of comics where we've seen him literally change his identity on a fundamental level. Yeah. To the point where he's almost a entirely different character from himself, you know? Yeah. And and if we go back to that moment in the Simonson run where he, he screams for myself, that that's a moment, you know, everybody talks about that moment. It, it's like a highlight Loki moment. It's a highlight Thor moment, you know? And, and um, I was reading... In the when I was reading Agents of Asgard to ready up for this episode, I was in the trade paperback collection. There's a an essay from Al Ewing that I, I think was also published in the first issue of Loki: Agent of Asgard. But he he talks about that moment too, and I thought he had pretty fun insight about that moment. And I'm just gonna read uh, what he says. He wrote. It's a comedy moment, obviously. It's meant to show how selfish and venal Loki is, that even in his hour of peril, he's got nothing to swear himself to but his own skin. But when the whole of your reality would rather see you as someone you're not anymore, when the whole universe wants to crush you down into a little box with a label on it and nail the lid down, when yourself is a thing you have to fight the very cosmos to decide... Well, suddenly, it's not quite so funny. Suddenly, it's almost kind of heroic. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he wrote. And and he writes that, uh, he goes on to write that Loki, Agent of Asgard, it's 
a comic about being for yourself. And if you actually, we'll talk about this comic in a bit, but if if you uh, read the entire thing, you, you definitely do get a chance to see how that through line carries um, across the entire series. It It's, again, it's just two simple words played off as a joke, but there's an undercurrent of, of a, I mean, th- there's a way to take that as a joke, but there's also a way to, to look at that and see the truth behind it, you know, and that, that's kind of the, that's the truth behind the character. And it, it's kind of fundamental to him and it, it, it's what makes him interesting. Right. No, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to when we actually get into that specific comic. It's, uh, it's, it's one of the runs of, uh, Loki that came out in recent years. If, if we were going to be cynical, uh, I'd be, I'd say that they did it to cash in on his fandom, but you know, two things can be true. Like it could be a cash grab, but they could have also produced some stuff that was pretty good, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What are your favorite Loki stories, Albert? Yeah. So when, uh, when we decided to do this topic, I, I had to think about it. And for me, so I, I read the Simonson run, and uh, I'm embarrassed to say, but although I remembered the exact line or the exact scene you you thought you were uh, that you mentioned, it wasn't mm-hmm. something that automatically jumped to my mind when I was thinking of Loki moments. So really, what I was when I was trying to come up with uh, you know big Loki moments. It, it feels like with every other villain, like um, every villain has like one moment that I guess defines them, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the ones that always jumps out at me for Loki, and, and this isn't necessarily my favorite moment, but it's it's the one that I know him for, is the fact that they always cite that Loki is the reason that the Avengers were formed. So, um, yeah, yeah, there are always the, basically the very first Avenger story ever was about how, uh, Thor was on the Avengers and because Thor was on the Avengers and Loki hated Thor, what he did, well, no, he well, wasn't on the Avengers. They weren't, the, they weren't the Avengers. Avengers. Avengers came together because of Loki. Right, right. You're right. You're right. So basically he tried to use the Hulk to go after Thor and, as a result, all these other superheroes banded together in the fray, and they figure out that Loki's behind everything that's going on, and then they unite as the Avengers to beat up Loki. Mm-hmm. That's that's basically the short version of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's always been looked at as the guy who's responsible for the Avengers. Yeah. So and it kind of worked out the same way in the MCU as well. Yeah, no, that which I thought that was pretty clever when they made the movie to to keep that as a mm-hmm. thing, you know, because yeah. it was true to to his history. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they didn't play it up as much, 
but they they didn't have the circus of crime, which was disappointing. <laughs> uh, Can you imagine if the Avengers movie instead of teaming up with Thanos, he had teamed up with the Circus of Crime instead? <laughs> uh, you know, the most powerful villain of them all, the Ringmaster. <laughs> Actually, I, to tell the truth, I don't even remember if the Circus of Crime was in that issue. I I just remember Hulk joined the circus to disguise himself so that the Avengers wouldn't find him, or so that the other heroes wouldn't find him. <laughs> Uh, I don't think it was actually the Circus of Crime. Yeah. I feel like the Circus of Crime was around a lot more in the olden days. <laughs> we don't really see too much of them too often. Yeah, circuses are an endangered species. Yeah. Yeah. Eh. But back to the question of my favorite Loki moments. Um, in, or, uh, yeah, in terms of, like, an actual Loki moment that I genuinely enjoy. My, one of my favorite Loki moments is the Loki from the Ultimates. And <laughs> it's, I think it's the Ultimates too, actually. So yeah, at, Ultimates at, this, too. at this point in the story, what ends up happening is um, Thor is breaking away from the Ultimates as a team. And, he's beginning to say some pretty subversive stuff that's riling up the masses, but... He's basically re- acting like a bleeding-heart liberal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's... You know, but people are rallying to him because they see him as the god of thunder, and so he has the power and the authority as far as they can tell, right? Yeah. But then uh, this this version of Loki shows up, and he just seems like a pretty normal dude. And he's he basically tells the Avengers, or the Ultimates rather, that Thor is actually his brother who who saw these uh, advanced weapons and stole them. And he's just this delusional dude, right? A madman. A yep. madman who's, who, who has uh, special weapons. So the Ultimates go after him and they beat him up. And, you know, at the end of the issue, for a brief moment, you're like, oh, I guess Thor really is just a crazy dude, you know? He's and a he's lunatic. Locked, yeah, he's a lunatic. And they lock him away in this prison cell. And in that moment where in a, there's a turn uh, briefly after that where he's in this cell by himself or it seems like he's by himself. And what we see is Loki is in there with him. And Loki is basically mocking and gloating, and nobody else yeah. can see Loki. Yeah. And we as the reader know, oh shoot, Loki is real. This whole thing was real, you know. Yeah. Um, he basically tells him, like, you know, he he planned the whole thing to, uh, you know, to make him seem like a madman and to fracture the team. And the the conclusion of Ultimates 2 leads to this even bigger story where there's just a crazy epic battle between Loki and um I forget what the 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 evil version of the Avengers were called or the Ultimates uh, yeah I forget off the top of my head yeah but it just ends up being this the Liberators wasn't that what they called themselves I think I think you're right. It was just this massive spectacle, and there's like this five-page spread of this battle between 
the forces of the Liberators and the Ultimates and Orcs. And, yeah, Loki was uh, summoning people from the different realms to fight yeah, on his behalf, too. There I was think. a giant wolf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just crazy five-page spread in battle. And uh, you were telling me about uh, one of your favorite scenes in, in that moment, Drew. Yeah, uh, so so that that's after, during that fight, the uh, the ultimates, you know, they're they're kind of on the ropes, almost getting overwhelmed. But at that at at one point, um, the Scarlet Witch, she and Loki uh, have a moment, and and she does something with her powers, and you don't really see uh, anything happen at first, and then Loki says something, and I'm not, I don't remember the exact quotes because I'm just uh reciting it off the top of my head i'm not i don't have it in front of me but loki basically says something what can you do isn't your power just to shift odds a little bit what what did what do you think you accomplished with that little move and then uh there's a beat and you see like a flash of lightning indicating that oh man she set thor free and then she just looks at him and she's like i think i just increased the odds of someone showing up to kick your ass. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just a great line. <laughs> yeah. And then that I think that issue ends with with or I'm not even sure if that was the end of the issue, but you just see Thor come back and he's like he's just crazy he's all, pissed. He's in all his glory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a really great moment. Yeah. And he just clobbers Loki with his hammer. Just <laughs> Yeah, it, it's a great moment for Loki, for Thor and for Wanda. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a that was a pretty menacing version of Loki. Like he was pretty sinister, and that was probably the most like hyped for him that I was at that point. Yeah, yeah, at that point, definitely, definitely. Do you prefer Loki being sinister and menacing like that, or do you prefer Loki as kind of this that that anti-hero that we were talking about or you know even something just more comical or mischievous or even do you prefer him as a good guy um so this might be an indicator of uh how much of a plebeian i am but (laughs) i will admit that tom tom hiddleston as as loki i i do find him pretty charming Okay, so he has charmed you with his wiles. Yeah, exactly. With his uh, animal magnetism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just got you eating from his hand. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know what moment won him over in my heart? I was on YouTube and I was watching a video. Uh, uh, I was watching an interview that he did. And in that interview, he... He proceeded to rap all of the words in Miami by Will Smith or Welcome what? to Miami. In that moment, I was like, he is the greatest person on earth. <laughs> Welcome to Miami. <laughs> what was the, dude, I just got to look it up later. I'll, I'll remind me to look that up after we're done. You never saw that, Drew? I don't remember that, dude. I feel like you or Eric would have told me about that. Um, yeah, I just remember watching it and I was just like, yeah, he's he's great. How do you not love this guy? <laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah. But um 
I don't know if I necessarily need him to be a hero. I don't I don't think I would ever want him on the Avengers or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm fine with him being a trickster who occasionally tries to do the right thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm... Okay, I guess I'm fine with him being uh, a hero, but not... But, I don't want him to be overly heroic, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it, it <laughs> you know? makes sense. I get what you're saying, man. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I think I'm along the same lines where yeah. the, the idea of the character works best when he's purely just out for himself. And most of the time, you know, dealing with selfish people isn't the most pleasant thing. They might have their own charm, I guess. Yeah. But... At the end of the day, you're always a little bit wary of them because you know yeah. what their character is like. So no matter how yeah. charming they are, there's a limitation to how much you can actually like them. Yeah. And I I guess that's the thing that makes him more human than a lot of, like, idealized heroes uh, is the fact that he's... He, he doesn't have a sense of nobility to him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. But The only time he does have a sense of nobility is when he takes on an affectation of nobility to suit his own purposes. Yeah, yeah. But there's always this sense of irony. Like, he knows how pompous he is when he does it. And it's kind of just for show, because at the end of the day, he seems to have a pretty good understanding of of who he is but he also recognizes that if he acts a certain way other people other characters will perceive him in another way and he uses that for his advantage mm, yeah. you want to get into some of the loki comics uh that we we checked out uh you know in preparation for the release of Loki on Disney Plus. Sure, man. So th the main thing that I read this week to prepare was the aforementioned Loki, Agent of Asgard. So this was a 17-issue series from 2014, written by Al Ewing. Most of the art was by Lee Garbit. I think there were two issues that had fill in art by Jorge. Coelho, uh, and this is a, this is the story uh, where I, I read uh, Al Ewing's essay, an excerpt from his essay a few minutes ago. It was my first time reading it. I had known about it when it came out, but I, to be honest, I, I wasn't too interested because it it was one of those things where at the time I was like, they're just pumping out Loki stuff because the the actor made the character popular. So I was. I wasn't I didn't really prioritize it at the time. It mm. didn't it wasn't anything that that grabbed me plus I'll be honest man Lee Garbit's art wasn't anything that uh drew me to it. Like I even after reading this I still don't think the art is appealing to me, but it was something that I could read in spite of the art not because of the art. Mm. And uh there were some other recent Loki comics that, that look like they could be an influence on the Disney Plus show. Yeah. 
like there was a that vote Loki comic or miniseries. I never actually read that. Yeah, um, it's by Christopher Hastings. Uh, cover art by Tradmore and the penciler was Langdon Foss. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got four, I got the four issues of that. Uh, I did read it, and if I had to be perfectly honest, it's. I think at the time, uh, my impression was, I w- I was interested enough in it that I wanted to hold on to it so that I could read it again at a later date to see if I could get more from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that we're in the present and uh, I'm looking back at it, I can't say that I really remember too much about it. So yeah. maybe it wasn't impactful uh i will say well okay so the reason that we mention it is because in the trailer for vote loki there's a scene that is i mean the the trailer for the loki series yeah the trailer for the loki series uh there's there's a scene that's an obvious reference to this vote loki comic um where you see tom hiddleston dressed as the vote loki character and he's got this uh button this pin and um, yeah, like so, I don't know how much vote Loki is going to be part of whatever story that they have planned for the Loki series. But at the very least, it got a shout out. Exactly. At, yeah. at the very least, it got a shout out, a, a pretty clear shout out at that. You know, um, yeah. So we 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 felt it was worth mentioning here as well. Yeah. The, there were some other Loki um, stories that I've read in the past few years. I I didn't really reread them for the purposes of this podcast, but yeah, just in terms of um, what I think of when I think of recent Loki stories, obviously there's his appearances in the Jason Aaron Thor run. But the the main thing that I remember, I mean, I it it's been a while since I read the issues i would like at, at some point i definitely want to reread the entire aaron thor run from beginning to end I'm, I'm really hoping that they make an omnibus at some point but what i remember uh him doing with loki by the end of the run was that loki becomes the the king of the frost giants so he kind of reclaims that element of his heritage then there's also there was also some other Loki stuff that I didn't read. Like there was some of the stuff that came before that, that when Kieran Gillen was writing Journey into Mystery, I think Loki was headlining that at some point. Yeah. I've read those issues. But Gillen also did some Loki stuff when he wrote Young Avengers. Yeah. He was part of the team. Yeah, that was when Loki was a kid. Yeah, Yeah, he he was a little kid. And... Those were those were good issues. It wasn't necessarily the most Loki centric kind of stories, but he was definitely an important character in the yeah. run. Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend reading reading that just because that run of uh, that Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey uh, Young Avengers was some excellent stuff. Mm. But the, yeah, I guess for now, like the the main thing that uh, I'd probably want to talk about with you is agent of asgard so you you ended up reading that as well albert 
Yeah, so um, the, the thing about this series was I ended up finding, I want to say, the last five issues at, at a quarter bin sale or somewhere. So I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to buy these last five issues because the series ends here, right? Mm-hmm. And it just became this thing where over time, as I found more, I just it just slowly evolved into... Well, I guess now I'm just gonna have to track down all of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did read the last five issues, and I remember thinking, I remember being interested enough in it where it it justified, or, or where I felt justified uh, to track down the rest of it. And um, for the podcast, I did read the first five issues again, and. Yeah, uh, we mentioned earlier that... Wait, so you read the first five issues or the last five issues? I read the first five issues. Okay. Yeah, the first arc of it. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I I do... I, yeah, I will say that, that thinking about it now after I've had a couple of minutes to process it, I will say that I do like the idea of Loki being... Uh, a cheeky and more mischievous slash playful kind of hero. There, there yeah. is something appealing about that. Um, Cause yeah, when I think of him on the few instances where he's menacing or evil, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know if I can say that that's a version of Loki that really does anything for me. What are you, are you telling me, you're not a big fan of the Asgardian Wars? I'm not a big fan of Asgardian Wars or Acts of Vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> but those were the stories where he was pure evil. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say I will say this in um, spoilers, but in Agent of Asgard, there's a revelation, spoilers, that uh, the version of Loki coexists with an older more sinister version of himself and that version of loki is pretty menacing i I, i'll say that much Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah if if you guys want to read a really bad loki story look up x-men the asgardian wars by chris claremont pretty bad loki story (laughs) yeah if, if you look up best Loki stories, I think a lot of people's lists online are going to include that as one of the best Loki stories. But that's probably one of Albert's most hated comics. Yeah, I read like, that. I've, I've never as a kid, heard Albert I hated that. disrespect <laughs> a comic as much as the Asgardian Wars. I mean, that says something. Where even as a kid, reading it as a as a kid, starved for comics. I I remember reading this at a library and thinking, this is boring. <laughs> what about reading it as an adult i haven't read it as, as an adult so thankfully i'm blessed in that sense uh, <laughs> do you think there's any chance that your young immature mind wasn't able to appreciate the unfettered genius of a work that might have been too complex for you at the time no here here's here's something that i remember so it it, it was a story about the x-men going to asgard and a bunch of them go through a bunch of different changes. And I, I thought some of the changes were pretty silly. Like 
I think magma gets turned into like some sort of elf thing, and I, I was just like, what is this? <laughs> Why is this a thing? <laughs> like, I think they just wanted to see the X characters as like fantasy versions of themselves. So, yeah. like, I think one of them becomes like a Valkyrie. Yeah. Or yeah, I think it, that was uh, Moonstar, right? I don't know, man. I, I, it's just lame. Because you know, as a Native she's a American, warrior. she's an expert hunter. Yeah. And what do Valkyries <laughs> do but hunt the most dangerous game? Yeah. Men. <laughs> <laughs> but I I will say this about Asgardian Wars: Art Adams drew it, and he's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he, what a waste of art, Adams, part though. Yeah. Paul Smith drew the other part, and he's pretty awesome, too. Yeah. It's just a shame that all that awesome artwork gets covered up in a By bunch of words. all words. <laughs> all of Chris Claremont's words. Seriously. <laughs> like, just take away those words, and I think I could read the comic and just look, by just looking at the pictures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Art Adams is... And... Paul Smith are great. Chris Claremont, we're not too big fans of him. He's at substantially all. not great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Recognize his influence and his impact. Just don't love reading his comics. Yeah, that's the perfect way to put it, right? It's like look, no one's ever gonna take that away from you, man. You you revitalized uh the the property and People are still cherry-picking stuff from all the stuff that you wrote to today. But uh, mm -hmm. ask me to go back and read that stuff? No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd reread his work just for scientific research purposes. not Definitely not for pure enjoyment or anything. I have reread his work for scientific uh, research. So That's true. It's true. You yeah. have. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. I, I wish to say speak no more of it. <laughs> yeah, we, we are not here to bury Christopher Claremont. We are here to talk about Loki. Yeah. <laughs> so, Agent of Asgard, I thought, was an interesting uh, depiction of Loki, especially in light of the trailer for the TV series. Because even though the TV series has... A different premise i do think that there's an, a little bit in common uh in terms of like the idea of loki as an agent that could make this comic uh an influence on the, on the show yeah i think the basic premise of it being that well i i do think there are several elements that are similar enough so, like, one of them is the fact that, okay, we we didn't really mention this uh, at the beginning of the podcast, but I'll, I'll talk about it now, which is the last time we see Loki in the Marvel movies is, well, okay, the, the, the version of Loki that has matured and grown up uh, and was probably closer to being on the path of a more heroic person was killed by Thanos in the movies. And yeah, then in Infinity War. In Infinity War. But we see 
a time displaced version of Loki or uh, not time displaced, but a younger version of Loki is later introduced because they have to go back in time in uh, Endgame, and uh, he grabs the Tesseract and portals away. So that is the last time that we see Loki, uh, you know, again, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I do think that that's similar to what we see in Agent of Asgard, which is you have this version of Loki that is a essentially a different version of the Loki that we know, right? But still Loki. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah, he, that element got, of it. Yeah, the the inner character is the same, but he didn't necessarily experience all the things as the Loki that we've been reading all along. Yeah. yeah. In addition to that, the way that the trailer makes it look, the the trailer for the Loki show makes it look like it's going to be about how Loki is going to be, I guess, coerced into running some sort of mission for this time displacement organization, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that element of it could is similar enough to what we see in Agent of Asgard, which is this alternate version of Loki is taken in by... Uh, Gaia, the uh, the like I guess the queen of Asgard, to go on missions for her. So, so you know we we have this element that's also similar as well, right? Mm-hmm. Just the idea of going on missions. I, I yeah. think in uh, Agent of Asgard, it, it's actually uh, the triumvirate queen mother. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's a uh, Freya. Aiden and uh, shoot, I, f- I forget what the other one's name was, but yeah, they're at this point in the continuity of the Marvel Universe in 2014, they were the All Mother. The three of them were considered the All Mother. I guess that's one of the things about this entire 17 issue series that reading it now, it kind of stood out to me was was how steeped in its time it is because there are so many other references to various bits of continuity and the different crossovers and events that were going on it it was kind of annoying to be honest like it it's not something that i think if if you don't know anything about loki and you read this and if you don't know anything about the marvel universe and this is your first comic i think there's going to be stuff that's confusing because i mean i read tons of comics myself man and there were still parts in there where i was momentarily confused like i had to think man like oh wait this was when original sin was happening or this was when axis was happening or this was when secret wars was happening you know it's like yeah every every uh story arc there was a new status quo going on in in loki's world so it I think overall it it makes the series weaker than it could have been. I mean, I I understand why it's like that. I don't necessarily like that it's like that, but Mm. I accept it, you know, and it's just one of those things where you kind of have to live with it. You know, that's, that's the cost of comics, superhero (laughs) comics, Yeah, two superhero comics, man. It's their curse. 
Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. But o- overall, I I would say I enjoyed the series. I I borrowed the the uh the complete collection from the library and it, it's got all 17 issues in 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 the trade, but it also has the original Sin 5.1 to 5.5 miniseries that collects a Thor and Loki story where they where they meet Angela. <laughs> like I still read that. <laughs> um, so it, it's pretty. It's a pretty comprehensive run of all of Al Ewing's Loki stuff. Mm. Yeah, and o- overall, like I said, I enjoyed it. I I don't necessarily feel compelled to go out there and buy my own copy to own for myself, mm. but. It was an entertaining read, man. It was an entertaining read, and, and there were some good moments and some some cool ideas. What did you think of the story that, or at least the part, the arc that you read? Um, yeah. So I I mentioned that I read the first arc, and I still have a memory of reading the last arc, or maybe even the last third of the series, and. I do remember thinking that there was a there was a I, I don't know how else to describe it, but there was a bigness to how the series ended, you know? A bigness. It was, it nice. was grand, you know? It was it was it was grand and it was uh this epic tale of I, I, I don't know, I guess it's it's a tale of Loki fighting fate, right? Uh not wanting like- the fighting for the preservation of stories. Yeah. Because yeah. one of the things about being the god of lies is that stories, fiction, is basically a bunch of lies committed to paper or film or what have you, whatever medium mm. you're consuming it. And it's like, it, it kind of turns from this thing where he's obsessed with lies and and it becomes something where he is trying to help preserve the stories, you know, like yeah. it, it's, it's interesting. It, it is definitely something that I'd probably need to reread and, and consider because the story does jump into so many directions across all 17 issues and having read them all in a relatively short span of time, uh, Sometimes it was hard to keep track of, I guess, the thematic string that was keeping everything together. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was what I got out of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I I do like that struggle towards the beginning, beginning of the series where... You know, he he's he wants to continue to be this good person or, or yeah, he wants to essentially fight fate to not end up becoming the Loki you know that everyone expects him to be and where, where you know where he gets from the beginning of the story to to the end it's I yeah, I don't really 
it's been a while since I read that last arc, so it's not too fresh to me. But I, I did remember walking away with the feeling that, again, I, I felt justified enough to track down the rest of the series in the just just to see that just to see if if I was able to read the series from beginning to end, uh, if it would clarify to me or clarify more to me um, some of the different ideas that were being put out there, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, and one, one of the things about why he's doing these missions for Asgard is because every time he completes a mission successfully for the All-Mother, they are going to strike out from the official histories and annals of Asgard, one of his crimes. Yeah. So the idea is that if he continues to successfully complete their missions as their agent, that eventually he's going to have a clean record. Yeah. So I suppose that's his motivation. He's, re- yeah, it's it's a redemption story, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that you, you brought up how it's about the preservation of stories, right? Because stories are essentially uh, lies put to paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't know if I caught that my, my the first time I had read it, but it's something I'm going to look for on my second read-through, you know? Because that's that's a pretty clever way to look at Loki. Yeah, and I'm also curious to to know if that's what Al Ewing had in mind from the beginning, or if it just kind of came together because of Secret Wars. Because when when Hickman was you know putting a bow tie on the Marvel universe, that was pretty much the end of it. You know, like everything dies. So. That's that's something that gets bandied around towards the end of the the Loki run. It, it's acknowledged, and the only thing that might not die, the only thing that has a chance of surviving, is more stories. Mm. If you're willing to turn the page, so it, it it's something where I'm curious if the story would have ended the same way if Hickman wasn't you know, doing his thing. Right. With the, he hadn't told yeah. the story that ended the entirety of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sort of pigeonholes every other writer, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is interesting to, to look at this run of Loki and, and see how Al Ewing is willing to play in the confines of the Marvel universe and yeah. deal with all the different crossovers and bullcrap that, that always goes on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's like I was saying earlier, man, it's, it's not my favorite thing, but I respect him for making the best of the situation, you know, like it, yeah. it's not his fault that he got saddled with, yeah, all of these crossover stuff, all all these crossover these ideas. These things and... are essentially a weight around the neck of like good storytelling, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's an yeah. anchor. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you can still appreciate this story, but if if those elements hadn't been in there and he was just kind of able to tell a more streamlined version of yeah. the story where you, you weren't getting jolted every few issues with a new change in the status quo, I yeah. think it would have been a more cohesive and a more co- coherent work. And it yeah. would have it would have definitely better withstood the test of time because let's let's say you pick this up like 10, 15, or even 20 years from now. Somebody reading it 20 years from now is going to be like, what the heck is this, man? Like, What's original sin? What's, what's Axis? Axis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I... Yeah, it's unfortunate because... Like you said, Al Ewing's got some big ideas that he's toying around with, and unfortunately, those big ideas get covered over, or yeah, they they get sidelined because Angela shows up in this issue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And th- yeah. there are so many, so many issues that do that thing where there's an asterisk. That gives you a reference to uh, yeah. another comic to read, like read this. <laughs> yeah, read Axis number two. Read Axis number three. Yeah, it's like, dude, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna read it just because you tell me to. Yeah. I'd rather just the more you tell me, the more I'm not gonna read it. <laughs> yeah, know? I'd rather just be confused. Yeah. Well, so this this does this does raise an interesting point because. So we we cite Loki, agent of Asgard, as a potential, um, I guess, source DNA for the Loki series, and I think because of that, there's a chance that the Loki series might be more self-contained. I, well, I, even then, I'm hesitant to say that because we. We already have Loki in this story being a time-displaced, younger version of Loki. Mm-hmm. So, so we're already beginning to see the trappings of like that level of uh, continuity from the movies. But at least we're not going to get a bunch of pop-up subtitle panels <laughs> while we're watching Loki the show going, you should watch Endgame in order to see what when that happened or whatever. <laughs> So yeah. I do think that the series will still be, for the most part, self-contained. And yeah. it might be a more comprehensive viewing experience. Yeah, and uh, I do... I do. Uh, I mean, I'm interested in seeing whether the show does the thing that the comic does, where in the comic we were just saying Lucky's basically out to clean his name, right? Redeem himself. Yeah. But in the... The impression I, I got from the trailer for the show is that Loki is kind of conscripted into serving the Time Variance Authority. Like yeah. He, it's not something that he's doing... He's not doing it willingly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, he's, he's an agent of them, or it looks like he's going to be their agent, but he's forced to do it. Yeah. Not because he necessarily gets something out of it or because he yeah. wants to, but it's more like he's forced to. Right. And I was gonna add to that, but I do have a, I, I have a feeling there's a chance that the story could go 
Well, again, we have to remember this this version of Loki is a younger Loki that didn't have all those experiences that the other Loki that died had, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, he hasn't, I guess, matured in the way that the other Loki has. Yeah. So there's a chance that this version of Loki is going to be more mischievous maybe even evil yeah Yeah. but but i do have a feeling that seeing as how you know they want to turn loki into this marketable product um the the turn on the show or on the miniseries is going to be um him redeeming himself like it wouldn't surprise me if that's the direction that they went right yeah, it'll probably end up being one of those things where, where where he ends in the show could be similar to where he ended up at the end of his arc in Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. That 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 seems like it's it's possible. But you know, now that I've vocalized it, I I do think it's equally possible that he'll end up in a totally different place at the end of this TV show too. That's true. Like they, it, it would, it would feel kind of pointless if they use the TV show to, to bring him exactly to the point where he was at the end of, or at the beginning of infinity war. It's like, what would this TV series have anything to do with him reconciling with Thor? Right? Like I, I'm, I kind of doubt that Chris Hemsworth is going to show up in the TV series so they can hash things out and, you know... Uh, have a moment. <laughs> have a brotherly moment, right? Like, that, that That feels like it's unlikely to happen. Yeah. It would. It feels like it'd be shoehorned in there if, they did, if it did happen, unless it was done organically well. Mm-hmm. Right? But... Mm-hmm. If they just did that just so they could be like, see, that Loki that died, he's back. Yeah, <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, are we uh, just going to talk about the show now, or are we, Are you done talking about the comic? Uh, Yeah, we can go into the show. Unless okay. there's another comic that you wanted to mention. In terms of Loki comics? Yeah. Well... I guess just to put down uh, my final word on Loki, Agent of Asgard, uh, I'll say that it's a good read that will interest anyone who's interested in Loki. Mm. I, I probably wouldn't recommend it offhand if I was just recommending good comics to read or anything. Like there's a lot of other stuff that I'd recommend before this. But if if you're specifically looking for a Loki centric comic, then yeah, this would this would probably be the one. Uh, the only thing I, that really irked me more than the crossover tie-ins was the artwork. I, I'm really not a big fan of Lee Garbett's art. There's the there's actually a, a two-parter in the middle of the series a two-part story featuring Dr. Doom in the middle of, in the midst of the Axis crossover that has art by Jorge Coelho. And I I thought that art 
was so much better, man. Like those were the two, those two issues were the highlight of the series for me. And it's, it's all about, it's a, you know, uh, Axis was about the Red Skull triggering World War hate, right? So yeah. this one, this two-parter covers what happens when World War hate hits Latveria and only Loki can, can uh, help Doctor Doom fix things, set things right somehow. Right. And it, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of great Doctor Doom moments. The art's a lot better. It it just works as a two-parter, man. Uh, oh yeah, there was one character in in the comic that we didn't really talk about, but one of the characters that Al Ewing created, uh, Verity Willis. She's this woman who has the ability to see through any lie. Yeah, I thought, I, I thought that was that an was, interesting character. Yeah, that was a a very well done character. She ends up becoming Loki's best friend. Yeah. It'd be interesting if the show had some kind of equivalent of her character, but in the comic, Verity is this woman who makes sense that she she becomes close to Loki because in a way, Loki, she's the only person that Loki can really be himself with. Because that she sees through all of his yeah. lies. So he, he has to... like The only way that he can get along with her is if he tells her the truth. And, you know, I mean, obviously they don't get along perfectly. But that's part of the enjoyment of the journey of their story. And I thought they did a really good job of introducing her and giving her character development. Making her a part of Loki's world. She's basically like... You know that character in Saga, Lion Cat? Yeah. She's she's basically like a human version of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Lion Cat is pretty hilarious. And Verity Willis in Loki kind of does the same thing, except she has, you know, a bigger vocabulary than just saying lying. Yeah. <laughs> Hiss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You want to go into the show, Drew? Sure, man. Sure. So, yeah, we were already talking a little bit about what we think of Loki's potential arc in the series um, and maybe some of the parallels or points of comparison to Agent of Asgard. Yeah. But another thing that I think could be worth discussing is the whole... Time Variance Authority. Yeah. Because the TVA is another creation of Walt Simonson. He created that back in his Thor run. I think we I think we might have mentioned it when we did our uh, Marvel Top 25 episode on it. Because that was the issue where there was that Judge Dredd-like character who yeah, traveled yeah, through yeah. time. Yeah, you remember that one? Yeah. And, and like, Thor had to help the dude. Um, yeah, stop some uh, some killer or something. Yeah, I don't remember what specifically their objective was. I just remember that they existed. <laughs> yeah. So in the comic, what I remember about them is that all of the people that work for the TVA look like Mark Grunewald, who was a. Uh, so Mark Grunewald was, he was a. Uh, 
well-known comic book writer and editor for Marvel. Like, I guess the thing that he's known for is writing a long run on Captain America. I wasn't too big on his Captain America when I was a kid, but he also wrote Squadron Supreme, which Mm. is a classic Marvel 12-issue series. And he was also uh, an editor who... He really knew his continuity, man. Like, this was the guy that wrote a lot of the articles and entries for official handbook of the Marvel Universe. You know, like, that was his thing. He he knew all the stories inside and out. He was able to uh, come up with, you know, biographies of fictional characters, no matter how silly or minor they may have been. But he was just kind of obsessed with, with, with the knowledge and, and the the yeah just the information about all these fictional marvel characters yeah so i think walt simonson and and uh as as he created the time variance authority you know just in tribute to this to his uh friend he decided to make all of their all of the people that work for the tva they looked like mark gruenwald so <laughs> they got like a mustache and a ponytail <laughs> 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 That's kind you know, of funny yeah. that you know the one you know the guy that uh, that they knew who who's just this well of information and continuity ends up being for the better lack of a term like the gatekeeper of knowledge and continuity for the TVA right <laughs> yeah exactly that's exactly what it is because I think the that's, whole purpose of the that's funny. TVA is to monitor. It's to preserve the timeline, I assume. Yeah, right? yeah. They preserve the timeline by by uh, getting rid of things that are either too dangerous or contradict the flow of time or or things of that nature. I mean, I, they're not omnipotent. They have limitations for sure. But uh, yeah, that's what they strive to do. Because from from my understanding, they can't really do anything to Kang the Conqueror or anybody. You know, any kind of time traveler who's on that level of power, they they don't really yeah. have any authority over him. But uh, for other things, you know, they're able to to do some stuff. I think I think Simonson even used the TVA when he wrote his Fantastic Four run, the one that Art Adams drew. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't remember that, those. So yeah, I don't remember the issues too well because it's been a super long time. But from what I from what I do recall, I think they were in it. Huh. Yeah. So what do you think the TVA will try to accomplish in the in the TV show? Well, from the trailer, it looks like... And, and this is an interesting, uh, I guess nugget of information that they put into it uh which was it sounds like the i i guess time stream time stream or the multiverse is falling apart or or something to that effect and it just sounds like they need loki to dimension hop to various places to i'm sure find some sort of macguffin or to correct something in order to preserve the timeline right 
Mm-hmm. And the thing that's interesting to me is, uh, you know, in, in whatever phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe we're in right now, uh, there's been a lot of talk of the multiverse. You know, the next Doctor Strange movie is going to be called Into the into the Multiverse, right? Oh, Multiverse of Madness or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So and there's all the talk about Spider-Man having the multiverse touch it too, you know? Exactly, exactly. So with all this stuff that's uh, being floated in this phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, uh, I, well, I don't know if this is like the first, uh, you know, the first interaction that we see with it, but it's it's another like, it's another piece of the tapestry for whatever they're building up to in the next phase of the cinematic universe, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, so that'll be interesting to see. And it's, yeah, I, I really have to think about Loki in the context of everything that they've done with WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier to see if there's, any connective tissue between the three of them that will lead onto whatever is going on. Mm-hmm. It, well, I'll say this. It'll be interesting to see what the final product will look like uh, and how everything's connected when when we're on the other side of that, right? Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And, and especially when you think about how a show like this could influence a future movie I don't I don't really know how it's going to what kind of impact it would have on which film or anything like that cuz it kind of feels like it kind of feels like this isn't really going to have anything to do with Thor. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right? Like we already kind of know the plot of the next Thor movie because it's going to be an adaptation of the Jason Aaron stuff with the God Butcher and with Jane Foster. Right. So there's not really, it, it feels like there wouldn't really be room for a time hopping alternate version of Loki to be in there. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I will say uh, if I had to guess there's going to be some point in the future where Thor and Loki do have some sort of reunion. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know when it is or or yeah I don't know when it's gonna happen but uh, maybe it, the post credit scene of Love and Thunder maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we're calling it here folks <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean no. in terms of the show itself I again just as someone who just enjoys Tom Hiddleston uh, I. I think that's that's really the main draw for me is uh, like I I don't I'm not like the fanboys who who are just foaming at the mouth to see like what scraps they can pick up for you know to try to predict the future of the cinematic universe. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just happy to get so, something. So are you are you saying that you don't want me to name this episode with some clickbaity title that explains the secrets of Loki and how it points the way forward to the Marvel Cinematic no, Universe? Quite the opposite. I totally <laughs> want you to put some sort of clickbaity title on this because we're shills here. We are we're willing to do anything for likes. <laughs> All right, this is between the gutters. 
10 things you need to know before you watch Loki. <laughs> oh, man. What do you, what were your thoughts on the trailer, like, relative to the other two shows that we've already gotten? So, I, was, I would say that when these first three shows were announced, the one I was most excited for was definitely The Falcon and the Winter Soldier by far. And that's mainly because I like those characters, man. Like, Falcon and, and Bucky were some great characters. And I think just knowing the tone of what the show was probably going to be like, and and any time you got some uh, Winter Soldier action, it, it feels like it's, it's a way for them to tap into some of that Ed Brubaker goodness, you know? And and that's what I'm always down with. Yeah. So that was the one that that absolutely drew my attention first of all, and then and then secondly, I was interested in Wandavision just because it was the Vision and Scarlet Witch, and I like both of them. I've got I've got fondness and affection for them. Whereas with Loki, like I was saying, like he was never really one of my favorite characters. Yeah. I, I like Tom Hiddleston too, and and yeah, l- like you were saying, man, he's he's a charming dude and he's got charisma, great actor, uh, and he he definitely like I I'll probably say his Loki is probably some of my favorite Loki stuff in general. Yeah, whether it's comics yeah. or any medium, it's like Disney really knocked it out of the park when they picked him for Loki. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. especially in uh Thor Ragnarok, man. Like I yeah I thought. That's that's still one of probably my top five MCU films, and what they did with Loki in that movie I thought was probably better than most things I've seen Loki in the comics, you know? Yeah, and I I'd even add this like I wasn't a big fan of Thor or Thor the Dark World like they existed whatever but even thinking back on those two i'd say loki had some probably some of the better moments in those Mm -hmm. you know or the Mm -hmm. yeah like so you know even in bad films he was entertaining (laughs) i got fondness for the first thor movie I, i enjoyed that movie man i think it's an underrated mcu flick you know what? I gotta watch that again. Yeah. Yeah. It had the destroyer. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. The uh the the dark world though that that's probably the nadir of the MCU for me. Yeah. Which is pretty disappointing because that was the one that explicitly took a lot from the Simonson run and they just didn't do it justice. Yeah. I forget if I ever told you this. But yeah, this is a total digression now. But the first time I watched Thor, the original Thor movie in theaters, I went with a group of my friends from church. And then uh, I, I think one of the girls that was with us, she she just thought it was like uh, a movie about the the actual Norse god of thunder. Like. <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah, that, that's what she went into the movie thinking you know she thought it was like the actual norse god of thunder you know according to the mythology wow <laughs> so so she, if 
it sounds like she knew more about Norse mythology than she did about comics. Marvel comics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's exactly what it was. And then like we watched the movie and then afterwards she was confused and she was like, What was all that other stuff? Where did that come from? And I was like, dude, that was a Marvel movie. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That is really funny. <laughs> oh, man. That's really funny, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, f- I forgot what I was, what, where we were going with that conversation. But, but uh, oh, I think I was getting back to your question about um, what I thought about the trailer. So, yeah, with, with Thor, with Loki, I, I think... It wasn't the one that interested me uh, out of the three that were originally announced, but after watching the trailer, I'm definitely more interested in it than I ever was before. Mm. Like, if somebody had just described to me that there's going to be a Loki show about him time traveling, I would have been like, oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, on the face of it, it's uh it's a pretty lame idea but on its own, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I'll watch it probably, but it's not what I want to watch. Yeah. But yeah. after seeing the trailer, it it does look good, man. It it looks like it'll be pretty entertaining. Yeah. Uh so okay. So with WandaVision, the tone that they set for it was there was something unsettling and uh, and whatever whatever it was we were watching in in those early days before we actually got the show the the trailers were uh, pretty alluring because we didn't know what it was gonna be right like I think it's fair to say that that was the most mysterious out of the three right mm-hmm. and with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, that was probably the most straightforward out of the three. Yeah, where we knew we, we were going to get a political action thriller. Exactly, exactly. Uh, what sort of tone do you think this Loki series was going for as you were as you were watching the trailers, as we watched the trailers? Dramedy. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> I feel like this one is going to be. I'd probably lean more on the comedy action adventure side of it. Mm-hmm. Like I, it, I, I don't know that I, I see any uh, substantive undertones or thematic undertones to it, just based on the trailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, seeing as how every every show in this slate of miniseries has has been different and has offered something different to uh, different audiences, I'm 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 curious to see what kind of story they're going to slip in with this. You know? Yeah, um, absolutely. I guess yeah, I guess it's like more of a sci-fi comedy, like off the walls sci-fi comedy. It's going to be like Flubber, is what I'm saying. Flubber. <laughs> so, so are are you saying this is Flubber meets Avengers? <laughs> yeah, that is exactly what I'm saying. And I I will I I, I do want to mention one other thing, which is 
So, you know, I've mentioned that one of the draws for the show for Loki for me is um, is Tom Hiddleston. But the other draw is they got Owen Wilson in it. And I, I, I enjoy me some Owen Wilson, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he's he might not be like my favorite actor, but he's been in things that I've I've enjoyed. So sure. and not having seen him in a long time. And to see him on this, uh, I'm, I'm into the idea of that. You know? Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. man. I was looking at the Wikipedia entry for the Loki TV series, and according to Wikipedia, the premise says that the Time Variance Authority gives Loki a choice. Face being erased from existence due to being a Time Variant, or help fix the timeline and stop a greater threat. Loki ends up trapped in his own crime thriller, traveling through time and altering human history. He's in a crime thriller. That's interesting. There was I mean, that one scene where it looked like they were uh they were they were doing a, a spin on DB Cooper. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I I don't really remember that, but It'll be interesting was, to see. It was him on on the plane, and it looked like he was robbing people. So the mystery of D.B. Cooper is that it's Loki. It was Agatha <laughs> all along. I mean, it was Loki all along. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as there aren't any revelations like that, I'll, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> if it turns out Agatha was in here, too, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> you did it to me again! <laughs> <laughs> you got Actually, me that, again marvel this this could be an interesting thing if the series leans hard into it where they they use loki to explain a bunch of different unsolved mysteries or or uh, conspiracy them. theories and things <laughs> of that nature Okay, I thought I lost you for a second, Albert. No, I was here. Okay. Yeah, I was I was saying that uh it'd be interesting to see if they end up using Loki as a way to explain all these unsolved mysteries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, DB Cooper, Jack the Ripper. <laughs> that might be too violent. <laughs> you don't want you don't think that'd be funny to see him to to find out that he was actually Jack the Ripper all along. <laughs> that, that would be... It, it would be hard to... It would to, be a bold choice. Come it on. It would be a very bold choice. It'd be, it'd be hard to <laughs> redeem him after that. Uh, it's like, this dude has killed so many women and horribly mutilated their bodies. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day... He's still Thor's brother, so he's he's gonna he's gonna find redemption. <laughs> and all you gotta do is just ignore all the people that he's murdered. <laughs> Can Thomas Hiddleston pull it off? <laughs> Does he have that much charisma? <laughs> Another interesting tidbit I learned from Wikipedia, and I actually did not know this from before, but Ravana is going to be in it. She's a member of the TVA. 
Ravana? Yeah. Uh, not familiar with that character. She was uh, King the Conqueror's woman. Really? Yeah, and like those early 1960s Avengers comics. Huh. That's a... Uh... I wonder what she's been up to in recent comics, because every time I see Kang nowadays, he ain't with anybody, as far as I can tell. I think she's dead. Oh. Like, I don't think they've really used her since... Um. Yeah, because I, I think she died, and for whatever reason, even though she's kind of a time-traveling character, they left her dead. So uh, you can probably expect Marvel to bring her back now that she's going to be in a TV show. Yeah, or I think they've announced that Kang might be the new villain in the Ant-Man movie, right? Yeah, I think they did announce it. I think they even announced yeah. uh, casting for it. Yeah, so if that's the case, presuming that she resumes her role as Kang's, you know, uh, whatever her connection to Kang is, uh, this, yeah, this is a way to introduce the TVA, but also a backdoor way of introducing some Kang elements, right? Do you think Kang will make a guest appearance at the end of the series? Uh... Let's say, to appeal to all the mouth breathers and fanboys, let's say <laughs> most definitely yes. <laughs> Kang is going to be in this because that's what you guys eat up. <laughs> you know who else is going to be in this? Mephisto. <laughs> <laughs> and Quicksilver. <laughs> uh, you guys are chumps. <laughs> <laughs> man what what if all that stuff really does happen though uh i don't know man what is what is, is that what they said they were yeah there were some people who were talking about how they were disappointed that mephisto didn't show up right correct <laughs> correct oh gosh why why <laughs> i don't know do you I think don't... Mephisto would have a place in this show because Mephisto is a character that has had dealings with Loki. Yeah, but seeing as how this this show has a more sci-fi feel to it, I uh, I don't know. It it would feel weird to me personally to go in the direction of uh basically Mephisto. bringing the devil on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know. Yeah, it'd be a it'd be a weird turn. Yeah, that would be strange. You have any other speculation or any other general thoughts about the Disney Plus series? Uh. Do you think there are gonna be? I mean, there's bound to be some sort of twist or whatever, right? Because, I don't know. It, it, yeah, it feels like there's always some sort of revelation in each each of these shows that's supposed to tease at something bigger. You mean, yeah. You mean like tease at a future movie? Or something like that. 
I mean, essentially, that's what these miniseries are meant to do is they're meant to stoke those uh, that interest in people so that as they move into uh, whatever new movies or shows coming out, uh, people will have something to, you know, keep them coming back, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, they've, they've pretty much mastered what comics do so well. They've mastered the art of hooking people in with this interconnected shared universe where where people get addicted to wanting to find out what happens next. Yeah. And every every event just leads into the next event. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) What? You don't like that, Albert? (sighs) I mean... It's part of comics, and you know, I uh, growing up on that stuff. There, there's, there was some, there was a point in my life where I was into that, but that nerve is somewhat numb now. I, I, I'll say that. Okay, I guess that's fair. That's fair. I yeah, can, I can comprehend that. So you're, you're telling me that you don't want to read Heroes Reborn. If someone says that there's something good in there, I'll read it. If I'm talking a... about the the Jason Aaron one, the event that's going on right now. Oh yeah, that's what I was talking about. Oh okay, that's what so I you're you're not gonna to. get it just to complete your Jason Aaron collection? If I find it in the quarter bin, well, I guess I should. I mean, I have like almost all of Jason Aaron's Marvel stuff right now. Yeah, like I'm on the I mean, way to getting all of his Thor. I almost have all of his Wolverine and the X-Men. His Avengers. Uh, I have his Hulk. I have his Ghost Rider. Oh, I wait. Have... You got his Ghost Rider? Well, I bought it on Comixology. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. It was it was a good deal, man. It was uh, four... So it was like the Ultimate Editions in two volumes and four bucks each. That is a good deal. Yeah, so it was eight bucks for... For his entire run. Nice, man. Yeah. Yeah, Which, I want to read that. It, the thing that sucks is, not to get too far off topic, but <laughs> they they made that one hardcover, and then they never made it again. The Omnibus? Yeah, it went out of print, and that's it. Yeah. That's all yeah. she wrote, man. They need to reprint that. Yeah, it's been years since they like had that. Why? I don't know, man. Because they hate us? I, I assume as much. So yeah. like the like, I've I've seen random issues of it here and there in the quarter bins, but I don't want to track it down. And when I found all uh you know the whole thing for eight bucks on Comicsology during a sale, I was just like, yeah, I'll just get it. Yeah, makes sense. It's the makes only way sense. that I can read it. The library doesn't even even have all of it, so. Yeah. Yeah. We make compromises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so you got any final thoughts on on Loki or uh, the series or the Disney Plus series or Loki the character? I guess one more thing I did want to talk about, probably my favorite Loki comic. So uh, this isn't really anything that'll have anything to do with the show, but uh, my favorite Loki comic story is this 
short story called The Roots of All Evil. And it you can find it in Marvel Double Shot number two. So I, I assume that's on like Marvel Unlimited or Comixology if you search for it. Marvel Double Shot number two. This is a pretty random uh, issue. Like I don't think anybody ever thinks about Marvel Double Shot or knows what that is, but was this an kind of an anthology series where they uh i i guess in a way they let the creators be have a little bit more freedom than the normal and this story in particular was by bill morrison he uh he wrote and drew it do you know this story albert i've never read it okay so so bill morrison is the guy that's known for drawing and writing a lot of the Simpsons comics. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's he's That's a funny dude, man. That's an interesting choice. Yeah, and and this roots of the roots of all evil comic is totally drawn in that in his Simpsons kind of style. So like it's got the Avengers and Loki, and they're drawn like their faces look like Simpsons people. Where Captain America, he just looks like Homer Simpson, but with you know the wings on his head. <laughs> Actually, and, I think I remember this. It it was pretty short, right? It was just like a two pager or something like that. Like twelve pages. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the people aren't all yellow or anything. They're still they have like normal flesh tones, but but it's a funny story where it starts with Loki and the Enchantress. They're just chilling on the Rainbow Bridge and. Loki is complaining about how he's pissed that he can't he can't beat Thor. So the enchantress uh she gets worried at how ferocious his anger is and she she thinks that she can help her beloved Thor by telling Loki to to instead of trying to be the god of evil, he should go back to the time when he was the god of mischief and she was like you should revisit <laughs> your roots. Instead of being the god of evil and trying to, you know, just destroy your foes, maybe you can just do some mischievous pranks on them. Just annoy him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, annoy all the Avengers. So, so he he does some pretty uh, silly stuff. Like he he turns himself invisible, goes to Avengers Mansion, and he does things like he he loosens the top of the salt shaker. So later on, <laughs> when when Thor puts some salt on a sandwich. The entire thing of salt just dumps itself <laughs> all over it. <laughs> uh. And then there's another thing where he uh, gets one of the one of the hounds from from the Netherworld and has the dog poop in a bag, <laughs> and he sets that bag on fire and then knocks on the leaves it on the front door. Captain America opens the door. He sees a fire and he's like, "Oh man, a fire!" And he steps on it and he gets all this dog <laughs> crap on his boot. <laughs> so he he just goes about doing all these hilarious pranks man and yeah i don't i don't, I can't spoil it i don't want to like talk about every single joke but it's it's something that's absolutely worth reading it it's a comic that i reread every every so often man and and uh yeah i i love it man it it's the roots of all evil from marvel double shot number two written and drawn by bill morrison that's that's my favorite loki comic man look it up it sounds like a good time it is man super short but just packed with 
hilarity. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. All right. What are we talking about next week, Albert? So Netflix has released the new show Sweet Tooth based on the comic written and drawn by Jeff Lemire. And uh, we wanted to go over that a little bit because it's a it's a great comic and it's worth a shout out. And uh, Yeah. Uh, so we're going to go over Sweet Tooth next week. Yeah. I don't know if I'll have a chance to watch the entire series, but I'll I'll try if I'm able to, and I'll definitely give the comic a reread. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, everybody. This is Between the Gutters signing off. Peace out. Bye-bye, guys. Yes, Albert? Are you there? I am here. I have a question for you. Do I have an answer? Let us find out. Okay. Who in the Marvel Universe would be the best peeping Tom? Uatu (laughs) the Watcher? Or Heimdall, the all-seer on the Rainbow Bridge. Oof. Wow. Okay. I'm going to have those to... two. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Who would be a better peeping Tom? Yes. I'll Who's... probably have to... Huh? Go for it. I was, uh, was going to elaborate, but go, go no, for no, it. No, no, no. E- elaborate, man. Build up the drama. One is a cosmic entity who sees, who spends all of eternity watching all of the greatest moments in time unfold, whereas Heimdall is the guardian of the Rainbow Bridge to Asgard, and as guardian of the bridge, he has been given the power of sight to see all things, no matter how big or how small, to make sure to ensure his ability to protect the bridge. Now, out of those two, whom would have the sight to be the most peepingest peeping Tom? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really good question, man. But I, I think based on what I know from reading all my all the comics over the years... I'm probably going to have to say Uatu. And the reason is primarily because Uatu has recording technology. Okay. That's fair. I'd so also... If, Go ahead. If he's going to be a peeping Tom and an ultimate <laughs> pervert, then it makes sense that he would not only 
see and peep and be a voyeur, but he would also record things without people's knowledge or permission. Okay. Okay. So he's got like just massive, you know, terabytes of hard drives and stuff filled with <laughs> just the naughtiest things that <laughs> just the most degenerate filth. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I was also going to say, I, I do also feel like things get past Heimdall a lot more than they do Watu. Uh, I guess so, because Heimdall is primarily concerned with threats to Asgard or to Thor. Yeah. So, but but on the other hand, if he if he willfully activates his power, he he can really see just about anything. I see. So if if Heimdall is just minding the bridge. And it's a quiet day. And there just happens to be the, some yeah, boobies and, off in the distance. Right, right. <laughs> he, he can focus on that. <laughs> it's like he he'd be like a cartoon. He would just be like, and then his eyes would pop out. Like boing, 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 boing. <laughs> Right, right. So like <laughs> it's, it's, it's like Look, if if the bridge Auga! Auga! Hubba Hubba Woo And like his jaw would just drop open and his tongue would roll out. He grabs his shoe and just starts hitting himself in the head with it. <laughs> <laughs> But the thing with Heimdall is that if if the bridge isn't under a threat or if Thor isn't calling for help, then he probably wouldn't really pay attention to something. And if he misses the moment, I'm not sure if he can look... Well, no, that's not true. He can look into the past, can't he? He can look through yeah, all of time. Like, yeah, I feel like... That's part of his ability set, right? Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, time and space don't matter to him. Okay, I, I gotta rethink this then. Because in that case, then Uatu's only advantage is that he has recording technology. Wait, well, tell me this. Yeah. Does Uatu's eyes, do they actually allow him to see things like beyond normal sight or is it or is he just watching just through his technology i believe he does watch it through his sight okay 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 i i don't believe he's omnipresent meaning that he has to he can only kind of he he's not everywhere right so he he doesn't transcend space, but I believe he can his his intellect is such that he can pay attention to multiple things going on at the same time. So if he shows up 
in physical form somewhere. I think he actually can still see something that's going on somewhere else. I think I could be wrong, and I don't know if there's ever been a story that that proves that correct. But uh, I do think that his ability to use his recording technology makes him a superior peeping Tom because it's just more <laughs> perverted when you're able to, you know, unlawfully record other people in their most private moments and then yeah. watch those at your leisure or even make duplicate copies of it and hand them <laughs> out to other people. It's definitely more sleazy. Like, sure, maybe Heimdall can just use his powers to go back in time and see this happening. Okay. But, you know, if you're just looking at him, he just looks like he's just a dude with a creepy smile <laughs> hanging back, right? And, like, yes, like that's most dudes. Like, they just like, have creepy why, smiles. Why, why does Heimdall, why does he have this creepy smile? And it's not until you ask him, man. He's and he's like, you know what I was looking at? Years. I was just looking at the moment you were conceived. <laughs> Remember that one time that you took a shower at camp? I do. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's gross, man. So yeah, but but it's not like. Well, I guess if he really wanted to, he could share those visions with other people too, right? Does he have that ability to share his sight? I'm. I guess I'm not sure. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm less. I'm less confident about that one. There was a. There was a scene in uh, War of the Realms when Heimdall got blinded and somehow his powers got transferred to daredevil because because daredevil being already literally blinded he was able to gain heimdall's cosmic awareness nice you know it wouldn't drive him insane as quickly as it would another normal person uh i question the logic of that (laughs) (laughs) i uh yeah i i would have to i would have to to think about the logic behind that i'm not sure that it has my full confidence well i think it's because daredevil's already blind so when he's given the cosmic sight of heimdall he's able to use his other enhanced senses, which have all been magnified in order to figure out and make sense of all the data that he was receiving. Whereas a normal person with normal senses, they would just be overwhelmed with visual stimuli and they wouldn't be able to uh, communicate that information in a helpful manner to all the other heroes. Is that really what happened in the comic? I mean, I know that Daredevil... Well, okay. I, yeah, I, I I remember seeing some uh, some of the pictures, and it looked like he had some sort of glowy stuff on his head, so 
I imagine that that's what uh, this is in reference to. But mm-hmm. was that really their explanation for why he wouldn't go crazy? I think so. I mean, I'd, I'd have to reread it to to give you a fully confident answer. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I I accept that. So, what do you think, though, about your question? Do you think Uatu or Heimdall is a better peeping tom? Huh. That's a that's a tough one, man. I I think initially I was inclined to say Uatu as well, but after listening to you logic it out, uh, I'm yeah I'm less confident that Uatu can actually see that like. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I don't know what the extent of his sight is, you know, because most of the time, I'm as far as I've been aware, like he has like a monitoring room where he watches stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, but he also has. He's a cosmic being, and he has you know incredible psionic capabilities, which allow him to know where he's supposed to show up when something big is about to happen you know how he always shows up at events like he doesn't just show up as they happen he shows up when they're about to happen so clearly on some level he knows you know like he he'll show up at your house before you take a shower you know just so he (laughs) makes sure that he doesn't miss a single moment of watching (laughs) you strip naked (laughs) Yeah, th- those would be pretty advantageous abilities to ha- to have if you were going to be the world's most effective peeping tom. Yeah, because Not you don't want to the be world. there. You the don't want to be there too is... late. You want to get there before the moment begins, so you can record every single bit of it. <laughs> huh. Oh man. Whereas Oops. I think with Heimdall, it. It's usually, you know, he either actually has to like actively look for something. Yeah. Or or Thor has to scream his name hella loud. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, but doesn't it require him like once he's on the bridge, doesn't it require him to be like omni omni aware? of whatever's going on even even if it you know affects the bridge right so like whatever he has whatever he's focused on i i assume that he's he's constantly has to be prepared on the off chance that something happens to the bridge right no uh i think he can be distracted yeah i, I was reading something uh i think it was uh yeah it was valkyrie the valkyrie series the one that uh jason aaron co-wrote with uh yeah uh shoot i forgot her name torin something or other but but there was a story in there where he was helping jane foster as valkyrie and he ended up getting killed because he got distracted or something 
Yeah, that's not that that doesn't make for a good peeping tom if you're not if you're able to be distracted. Yeah, I you're right. I'll probably have to give it to the watcher. One could also make the argument that Heimdall could be a great peeping tom because he'd be so focused on what he was peeping <laughs> that you know like <laughs> he just laser focused <laughs> yeah whereas with Uatu he might think well I have all this uh technology that allows me to record everything in perfect detail anyway so you know I can let my attention wander here and there for bits and moments I guess it just depends on the kind of peeping tom you value you <laughs> yeah. value a peeping tom who is really all about the craft of peeping you know the kind of peeper who wants to show affection and show that they care by focusing that intently on whatever they're peeping at or do you just want the volume peeping tom who doesn't care and <laughs> just wants to get as much food for his eyes that as they can get <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's a that's a type of philosophical of question what, <laughs> what kind of peeping toms do you value send us send us your answer at between the cutters <laughs> podcast at gmail.com <laughs> We want to have this debate. <laughs> What's the better kind of peeping tom? 